0: The next to nothing podcast is brought to you in part by our partnership with Humble Bundle. Humble Bundle is your one-stop shop for everything geek. Find discounted books, new and old games, and a variety of software. A portion of all purchases from Humble Bundle go to supporting a charity of your choice, like the American Red Cross, St. Jude's, Save the Children, and more. With $145 million raised so far, Humble Bundle is a great place to buy your games and help save the world. Use our affiliate link in the description of this podcast and a portion of your purchase will not only go to a charity, but also help support the show. Visit HumbleBundle.com. For more details. Hey, what's up? Not much. You guys ready to start the show? I think I am. Absolutely. All right.
1: Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let me pull up my notes. All right, hello and welcome to Next to Nothing, a show where we talk about how to waste your time and not your money in gaming. I am your host, Danny K. With me, as always, the wonderful, beautiful, um, enrapturing uh, wow. renditions. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know if that was. All the <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? Hope you're all incredible. And uh, joining us this week, Mr. Brandon Cole, a.k.a. Super Blind Man. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm
1: doing great, as always. Thanks for having me on the show. I very much appreciate it. And hi to all the uh, the viewers out there checking us out.
0: Yes. Uh, And real quick, uh, we got connected by a mutual friend. I wanted to give them a shout out real quick. A big shout out to Marcus Axford and all the other folks over at Gamer Fuel Studios uh, for connecting us with you, uh, Brandon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to them. Good people, those people. And uh, this is just one 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 result of the things that they're doing. So it's good stuff.
0: Yes. Um, So for the folks who don't know who you are and what you do, uh, would you mind giving them a brief rundown and all the places they can find your stuff? Absolutely. Here we go.
1: I am a creature of many hats. I am a blogger. I am a streamer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a hobbyist voice actor. I've been in Pillars of Eternity, if you don't believe me. Um, I I am, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm doing I have a website, you know, I'm I'm. uh, First and foremost, though, I'm an accessibility advocate for uh, blind gamers in, in video games. And I'm actually a consultant uh, for, in the game industry for blind gamers as well. So if you want to find me, you can do so in a lot of different ways. Just look for Super Blind Man on almost everything. That's Twitch, that's Twitter, that's YouTube. Um, the podcast, uh, to provide some context here, uh, I'm part of uh, a movement co founded by my fiance. Um, we call it the Breakdown Walls movement, and the goal is to break down the barriers between the disabled and non-disabled out there, you know, gamers, uh, streamers, and just everyone. Just break, break down the barriers, bring people together and make, you know, make people, force people to realize that we're all gamers and we're all just doing the things we do every day, and we're just you know, we're all people and just have a good time. So to that end, we have a Breakdown Walls Discord. You can find that at breakdownwalls.net slash discord. That's a super easy link, just so you know. And if you want to check out my podcast, you can do that too. I, I do a podcast that provides multiple perspectives on gaming news. I cover gaming news, but then I cover it again from the accessibility side, from the, disa- mm. the from the disability side. So it's, it's providing you two perspectives on sometimes the same thing. Uh, you can find that at breakdownwallsnet slash podcast. We do uh, interviews as well. I have some pretty cool interviews under my belt, and uh, there you go. So that's just basically... You know, me kind of like that's like scratching the, the bare minimum of the surface. But, you know, there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. So right on. Um, anyone that's live, uh, I want to thank my mod, uh, Mr. Greenlee, for doing a shout out to uh, Brandon's Twitch channel. I also put a, provided a link to his website. Um, that stuff will all be in the description of the episode, uh, depending on where you watch it. Uh, if you're on the uh, regular podcast feed, check the episode description uh, and mm-hmm. of the VOD and all stuff all the other stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, uh, let's get right into it uh, with just like a discussion on accessibility. Um, And if you don't mind, you know, if we could kind of just set some uh, semantic parameters here. (laughs) I like that term, semantic parameters. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just, you know, some, some definitions. So anyone who might be confused about what accessibility might mean. Um, how would you, how do you define it? Uh, when you, when you talk,
1: uh, into your consultancy, the biggest thing I think to mention is the definition of accessibility itself. Um, but to talk about accessibility, we should talk about inaccessibility and inaccessibility essentially means a barrier to access. Um, so when something is not accessible, it doesn't necessarily mean you cannot in any way, enjoy that thing but there's something that is preventing you from enjoying it, something that you may have to work around, something that you may have to fight through to enjoy that thing uh, to its full, you know, to get the full experience out of that thing. Um, a lot of times it does mean you're completely, you just keep completely cannot enjoy it because of your disability. And that whatever whatever um, thing that is that you cannot enjoy, that is a access barrier. That is a barrier that should be broken down. And that's kind of how the Breakdown Walls thing started. But anyway... Um, <laughs> So that's, that's uh, how I define accessibility and inaccessibility. And you'll hear me use the term blind accessibility a lot. And the reason I say that is because my specialty personally is specifically blind accessibility. Um, I, I will and can discuss other disabilities and uh, you know, things that can be done for other disabilities as well. But it is wrong for me to think that I know more about those disabilities than, than people who have them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I, I I've always made it clear that my focus, my personal focus, is blind accessibility, and then I'll be happy to mention other types as well if you know if it comes up in conversation. If I'm working with a developer, that's hey do you do you happen to know what we might be able to do for this? I might be able to throw something out there at you, but I'll always then refer you to someone else. But anyway, you'll hear me use the term blind accessibility because that's my specialty. So I think that's I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind.
0: Cool. Um... What are some, like, just like some other things that, like, come up when, like, people really do ask you about, like, your consultancy? Like, what are the most, like, common questions that really do come up in about the field, I guess I should say?
1: Um, What does that entail comes up a lot. Uh, A lot of people don't know what an accessibility accessibility consultant would do. Um, So people, the, the assumption that people tend to make first is I'm just a game tester. And that's not correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's 100% incorrect. In fact, I do test games, but uh, it goes beyond that. Because I not only test the game, I also work with the developers directly to provide them ideas for what could be improved, how something that isn't accessible right now could be made accessible. Um, One of the things that I do is intentionally, you know, maybe I'll play a game that I can't play, you know, even if I know I can't play it. And that's intended as a demonstration. Like, I can't play this, but here's why I can't play it. Mm-hmm. And here's what can be done that would allow me to be able to play that game. So, it's 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 a it's a very hands-on job. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not it's not to, it's not the game tester's job of standing against the same wall for 45 minutes and jumping up and down to see if it breaks the game. That's not what I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, right.
1: Mostly when I test games, they have something that's relatively playable, and um, they just want to, you know. Start ironing out accessibility features and you know finding out what works, what doesn't work what i what I can do without help, what I need help with, and then we talk about how that that can happen.
0: Sorry, I was adjusting my mic and didn't want to make any noise um too late so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you made a really interesting point when talking about, you know, you talk about blind accessibility um, yeah. and I had some I, I just kind of had some question because I think a lot of people could get kind of the obvious the obvious uh, barriers that would happen for someone who might be sight impaired or blind. Um, but what are like the, the nuanced challenges? What are like the things that people don't un- realize uh, in the game design that does affect um, okay, blind or sure. sight impaired game news?
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, first of all, I, I want to say that it's 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 amazing how many things get wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, people, and this this applies to game developers and gamers alike. Uh, game developers will get this wrong too. People assume all the time that they know the things that we would need to play a game, and mm-hmm. they're almost mm-hmm. always wrong. Sometimes we need more than what they think. Sometimes we need less than what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a. a something that you might view as a very small thing as an example of of a of a barrier for access in in games when a menu wraps which means that if you're at the top of the menu and you press up again it goes to the, it wraps around to the bottom or if you're on to mm-hmm. if you're if you're on the bottom of the menu press down it goes back to the top right that is an access barrier why because in menus that wrap we cannot count how many menu items exist because the menu keeps wrapping around and around and around so we can't. We okay. have no hope. We have no hope of memorizing the menu, without an extreme amount of help, because uh, the the you know, pressing buttons is never going to stop making the menu move. So, you know, if, mm-hmm. if a menu doesn't wrap, we can go. Okay, uh, if I press down five times, I'm at the bottom of the menu, and then I can just go up once, and I'm at the right option that I want. You know, as an example, um, but we can't do that if menu wraps. Now, of course, you can clear that up automatically if you just add narration to the menu if, if the menu is uh you know uh, supports speech of some kind mm-hmm. if the menu is mm-hmm. talking to us then we don't care if it wraps or not because <laughs> you know we can hear all the menu items we can we don't need to memorize anything so mm-hmm. but that's one of the little things that comes up a lot menus that wrap if they don't if they're not going to be narrated they are actually an access barrier so we if if uh that's one of the things i always ask for is if you're not going to narrate the menu at least make it so it doesn't wrap so we can memorize it
0: how
2: common is that narration support that's not really anything i've really thought about
1: narration support is relatively it's relatively new in in uh, in mainstream games but it's not it's Mm -hmm. not as new as you might think um i can name you several games that that have it right now um Mm -hmm. the division 2 has menu narration okay um gears 5 has menu narration
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh crackdown 3 has menu narration And Madden 20 has menu narration and Mortal Kombat 11 has menu narration. In the case of Madden and Mortal Kombat, the menu narration is not complete. It's uh, there's some menus it doesn't cover, but it's Mm -hmm. almost complete. It's, it's still there. It's, it's there enough that we can use it very well. Okay. All right. I got you. And there's more on the way where that came from. Believe me, (laughs) it's it's becoming, it's becoming a more popular thing. It's, it's, uh, um, Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the people who make all these engines, you know, Sony, um, Microsoft are in incorpor- starting to incorporate ways to add text to speech within games much easier. Microsoft especially is mm-hmm. working on this. Sony needs to catch up on that a little bit, but there's hope that's our cat. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he agrees that, that Sony needs to, to get their act together and work on some text to speech uh, fixes. But anyway, <laughs> so, so yeah, um, they, uh, they're starting to work on making it easier for developers to incorporate. And because of that, it's happening more. Um, there's an mm-hmm. API that exists for for developers now where uh, they can actually hook directly into Microsoft Narrator, which is the screen reader that actually is included with all right. Xbox Ones. Um, yeah. So now developers can hook directly into that and literally just send text to it. Mm. So yeah. it makes it a lot easier to incorporate something like that on, on that kind of system. <laughs> so you know, it is, it is starting to pick up in popularity. But you know, narration does not an accessible game make necessarily. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's more than just narration. But that that's mm-hmm. that's a big first step. It's a good way to start. So. Yeah. So I guess
0: just because we're kind of on this on this thread here, um, it, do a lot of the issues that you have run into are they UI focused or are they gameplay focused issues?
1: There's there's a little bit of both. Um, good example, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Um, I actually got the opportunity to to play that game a little bit early because it. Was Sent me a and also some codes to give away to my chat, which I did, which is just fantastic. First time that ever happened to me. Anyway, um, breakpoint. The UI for Breakpoint, if you're blind, is thoroughly awful. (laughs) The reason for that is is most games, most games, especially on consoles, most games you'll have a menu where you can press the up and down arrows to move through it. Breakpoint Mm -hmm. is not like that. Breakpoint gives you a cursor that you have to move with the thumbstick oh. to find mm. the things in the menu you want to click on. Now tell me, how am I going to do that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. To be honest, that just sounds like one of those things regardless where you wouldn't even think about quote-unquote upgrading, because I'm sure that's probably the like, thought process they had was like, we'll change it to be something unique. But like that doesn't seem like the location to start like, adding unique.
1: Yes, quality. that that is I the thing. That is, actually, that is actually a... A tenant of, of discussions of accessibility is you know, it's okay if things look fancy. We just need an input method that works for us. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can make it right. look as fancy as you need to, but at least make it so, you know, have your cursor. But maybe if we use the the D pad, then it jumps yeah. from from uh, you know from item to item. You know what I'm saying? Make something yes. that works for us. So you can have you can have the menu you want, but you can still make that menu accessible. You know, they could have done better. Is what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm going to kind of, do you have more examples? I'll let you kind of go on some yeah, more so, examples so people can have a solid foundation to uh, so yeah, obviously, understand the
1: problem. Yeah, obviously, it goes beyond UI, um, but it very much mm-hmm. depends on the game. I want to point out that blind accessibility especially, blind accessibility is one, first of all, I will admit, and this is something that I have to admit to, it's a hard thing to do, but I have to admit to them uh, as well. Blind accessibility is one of the most difficult types of accessibility that you can try to implement. It's one of the most difficult because mm-hmm. there's so much to it. Um, I'm not going to lie, we need a lot. Uh, depending on the game, certain games would need less than other games. So let's say we we're playing a game like uh, like the games Telltale used to make. I use this example a lot because it's, a, it's an easy example to, to give. Mm-hmm. Um, what we would need to make that game accessible is a menu-based navigation system that covered everything. So if we're standing in a room in a Telltale game, you know, there's point-and-click adventure style. That's what you're supposed to do. Move the cursor, find the thing you're supposed to click on, boom, you, you do the right. thing we would need an interactive menu instead of that interface where we wouldn't move a cursor around because we couldn't see the things around the room anyway, but we'd have a menu that would give us in narrated speech, a list of the things available in the room. And if something was not, uh, uh interactable yet, or something was hidden, it would not list that thing until it was revealed. So that way mm-hmm. we could, we could move through a menu, click on the thing we wanted to interact with and just have that happen. Um, and then you do the same thing with dialogue you know, choices. You have us, uh, allow us to narrate those choices um, in advance. And then when we click on one, it will make that choice. Of course, this would involve removing the timers because we need right. time to be able to, to, to read them. Um, but essentially, once you've done those two things, you're done. With, with that type of game, that's it. That's Now it's blind mm-hmm. accessible. Congratulations, you've done a great thing. Now, if you go to a different genre, like let's say a giant eighty-hour open-world adventure, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you need different things for that, but you still can do it. I actually wrote an article. No kidding, I got an article published by GamesIndustry.biz about this, and it's one of my it's one of it's, it's one of my one of the accomplishments I'm proud of because they I'm, I'm just super happy they accepted my article. But anyway, um, <laughs> so so there was there's there's been a lot of talk. Uh, I mean, this is kind of a preface to what I'm about to say, but there's a lot of talk about how the games industry these days is too inundated with open world giants, too many 80 hour giant games, 100 hour, 200 hour games you can jump into. It's too many of them. My uh, whole thing in the article was uh, responding. The the, the, the article started. uh, I got the opportunity to write it because I responded to a tweet asking about how I felt about 80 hour games, you know, there being too many 80 hour games. And I said, well, my response is probably unique to everyone else's because my response is this. I would love an ADR game that I could play because we don't have any. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, because I responded with that, that prompted uh, the offer to, uh, to you know, basically they asked me to write the article after that. But anyway, um, 80-hour games, giant open world games would need something different. They would need, for instance, a map interface that would be Either one of two things, or maybe even both things: um, a 3D, you know, interactable map that we can move around, and when we highlight a location on the map, that lo- location is narrated to us, so we know what we're, you know, highlighting when we move uh, through things. Mm-hmm. Um, or a um, kind of again going back to the menu-based system. Menu-based is kind of the uh, kind of an easy way to go when when we're talking about accessibility and trying to navigate large things. Menu-based right. is a good way to do it if, if you know if you're if you're talking about blind people here. So menu-based system. We can move through different locations on the map uh, just through a menu, up and down, just left and right, whatever you want, just you know, menu-based. And uh, again, narrated with uh, the name of the, the location, the description if necessary, whatever you need. And then we click on that thing, and it sets a waypoint thing. Once the waypoint is set, then you need a system where we can navigate to it. But it can't be a system that uh, we can't interrupt, because in a, in a giant open-world game, we're going to want the opportunity to explore if we want to explore. So I, I tend to stray away from suggesting, like, auto-walking. Don't mm-hmm. do it for us. Um, what you want to do instead is you want to do a stem by which we can follow some kind of beacon.
0: Mm-hmm. Be
1: that an auditory beacon that plays, even if it plays constantly, you know, if, as long as the sound effect is not annoying, it can play constantly. Mm-hmm. We just we can follow it by tracking it in surround sound or what have you. Um, and that leads us to our waypoint. Or we can have it uh, play with, on, a, on a key press so we can, you know, determine which direction the uh, the beacon is in by you know pressing a button and then we turn in that direction and we, we walk towards it. Or you can do another thing where you have uh, a button press that turns us toward the way we're supposed to go. It doesn't have to play a sound effect or anything. It doesn't need to. It mm-hmm. can, but it doesn't need to. A button that turns us in the direction we're supposed to go so we can press that and then walk forward towards it uh, when we want to do that. But whatever it is, no matter how you tackle it, there's, there's a bunch of ways you can do it, but no matter how you do it, it cannot be something we cannot interrupt because what if you know, you're playing. What if, let, let's just hypothetically, what if The Witcher Three was accessible, and that game is loaded with side content that just happens right. out of nowhere? And yeah. what if we want to, you know, what if we're, what if we got our waypoint system and we we're walking towards our waypoint, and some of that stuff happened, like, oh, there's a house there, and if you go to this house, you are getting a three-hour quest line. What if we want to do that? You know, so whatever it is, it can't be something that we can't interrupt. We we cannot do. Don't play the game for us, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, that's one of the huge things I try, I have to do too. And this, this is a nice segue into another uh, bit of accessibility uh, talk here is I always tell developers not to remove challenge, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. And this is this, I know this, this could spark a lot of discussion, but here it is. Believe it or not, chat, (laughs) we, we do not want easy mode. Mm -hmm. Accessibility does not have to mean easy challenge us. Give us very difficult games. Give us an accessible Dark Souls that is as difficult as Dark Souls is, but allow us to play it. There's there's a big difference between, you know, oh, man, you guys want easy mode, or, you know, that, and, oh, we just can't play the game at all. (laughs) So it can't be denied that if a sighted person were to use some of the features that we would need to make a game accessible, it would make the game easier for them. But it wouldn't make the game easier for us because we need those features to play the game at all. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's, I, I understand that it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes. It's hard to understand that what is easy for you might not be easy for someone else. It's hard to, mm-hmm. to, to picture that. I hear a lot of talk, you know, Sekiro is, is a game that really sparked this debate. I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk about how, People people felt like if Sekiro added an easy mode, I'm using Sekiro now because we already bridged that. We already mm-hmm. broached that. If Sekiro added an easy mode, that it would detract from the game for anyone who used it because they wouldn't feel as accomplished bosses or whatever. You know, they wouldn't they wouldn't feel the sense of accomplishment that you you felt after fighting a really hard fight and and winning. Except that those that have motor disabilities or cognitive disabilities that can't handle the the level of sheer skill that it takes to uh, play the game on normal mode are going to have uh, the, the the challenge that they're looking for on that on that easier mode or with or even if, if it's not an easier mode, don't call it easier mode. Get, make it an option mm-hmm. where you slow down the the game speed or something like that right. So the challenge that they they'll experience on that slowed down version is equal to the challenge that everyone else is experiencing on the normal version, but people can't see that because they can only see, Oh man, the game looks so slow. It's it's moving so slowly. This is super easy, you know. It's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's Sekiro example. Sekiro obviously was not made for the blind to play it, but um, that's I, I'm giving that example because it's, it's very relevant to accessibility discussion because that's what people always bring up these days. Yeah, right. But Suffice to say, we don't want easy mode. We want we want we want equal challenge if it can be achieved, and we want to mm-hmm. play your game. You know, if you're a developer, we want to play your game. And that's what it boils down to. If, if if you don't provide features for us to play the game, then we can't play it. It's simple as that. It's it's <laughs> it's not a question of whether it's easy for us or hard. It's we can't play it. So Yeah.
0: You know. Um so because I, I looked at your Twitch channel and watched some of your videos um doing a little bit of cramming yesterday. And I saw, I mean, you were playing a variety of games. You were, you know, playing Jackbox, you're playing yep. um you were playing uh Uh, Phoenix Wright and I saw you playing Ghost Recon Breakpoint so it doesn't seem like it's an issue of you know the base game mechanics being inaccessible but um, rather just like what is there already for you to to kind of go off of and so like when you're playing something that is in like a 3D environment and requires you know aiming or different interactions than just say clicking an option how how do you go about playing a game
1: uh, like Breakpoint or yeah? So so I want to stress real quick that Breakpoint is in a lot of ways not accessible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's not a game I'm ever, ever going to play again. It's a game I played one so with from from Ubisoft, which is very gracious of them. Yeah, but I'm not going to play it again because it's not it's not accessible. It's what you saw if you watch that video. You'll yeah. see this. My chat is amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you realize how amazing my chat is, but they—they uh, they were enjoying the stream. They're enjoying me talking about the challenges of the game and how it wasn't accessible mm-hmm. and how how difficult that was, you know, a time that it, that was having. Because that's one of the things that I do. That's that's I see that as important. I agreed to play Breakpoint. Uh, I, I agreed with Ubisoft that I would play it and stream it, knowing that it wasn't going to be accessible. Yeah. But I see part of my job is to educate. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I need to be willing to show other gamers and developers that uh you know these challenges exist and how we get around them if we can and how we don't get around them if we can't. So yeah. well, that's part of the job too. So I I did it. And my chat because they were having because they were entertained by it because they were enjoying it because they were enjoying learning about how I was doing um were very helpful. If you watch that stream you'll see that they are guiding me two different places on the map. They're telling me which direction to go in, so I don't, yeah. you know, just walk around for three hours and don't do anything. Yeah, and I saw so, them even, like, giving you, like, enemy counts and stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, and that's how we made progress during that stream. But that game is not accessible. I, I, I need to be clear on that. That game. Yeah. Is not- um, the uh, I will say, though, I'll give, I'll give the game some props. The aim assist in that game is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to face enemies in surround sound, and when I fired at them, I hit them, so that's pretty cool. Um, But it's still not, it's not going to be enough to make that whole game accessible. The the game would need a lot more than that to make it accessible. But, you know, so I think that, that, uh, that kind of leads into the idea that I, I always call accidental accessibility Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the games you're mentioning, a lot of the games you're mentioning that I play are not designed to be accessible to the blind, but they are accessible in small ways because of certain design choices that were made. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the games that I that uh, I have been playing recently, Catherine Full Body. And you wouldn't think, a lot of people if, immediately say, what, how are you playing that game blind? I mean, you have to move blocks around and you know jump up to different things and it's ridiculous. How are you playing that game blind? Well, the Full Body Edition just happened to add what they called safety difficulty. And in safety difficulty, there's two little things. One of them is you can't die. And the second thing is, if you press R1 on one of the puzzle levels, it auto-plays it. <laughs> I mean, that's how I, play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I play that game. And then uh, there's other sequences in that game where you're in a bar and you can answer texts from people. And they're like, okay, fine. Well, how do you do that? Well, uh, there's another workaround for that, uh, a technology called OCR, which stands for Optical Character Recognition. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is built into a lot of screen readers these days. So I use a screen reader called NVDA and I use the PS4 Remote Play app on PC. So I launch Remote Play. It sends the feed from my PS4 to my PC. Then I scan that image with OCR and pull the text out of it so I can then read it. <laughs> so it's a huge workaround. That, you know, it's, it's a complicated workaround, but mm-hmm. it makes the game playable. So who am I to argue with it? You know, I mean, yeah, right. I, I, I certainly would like to have... A version of the game that is actually playable that is made to be playable by the blind where the texts are narrated automatically within the game itself and there's audio cues for the puzzles, so i can navigate those myself i would love to have that but mm-hmm. i don't have that and this works so you know and it, it and it serves to demonstrate accessibility concepts like i can i can still say i can play this game because like i just did i explained to you guys how i played it and that's, that's what happens. People come to that stream, and they're like, how do you play this game? And I'll, I'll give them the same speech. I'll educate them on how it, how it works. So uh, Madden, though, is a game that I'm playing recently as well, and that one is modified to, to be playable by the blind. That one actually is specifically made for blind accessibility, which is tremendous. Um, but a lot of the games that I play aren't necessarily they're just accidentally accessible. And I will experiment all day with games to find out which ones are accessible by accident. And I'll, <laughs> I'll try any game once. I'll tell you that. I even tried God of War 2018 and got further than anyone thought I would. So there. <laughs> um. Real
0: quick, just because I saw this pop up in the chat, this is from uh, Elliot. Argues he is uh, uh, one of the guys that runs Budget Arcade. He said, "What's the best game you've played in term uh, in just in general?"
1: Okay, so that that's a that's a broad question. Um, the reason that's a broad question is. It's it's difficult to break down in simple terms because mm-hmm. I also play audio games the games that are made specifically for the blind often oftentimes these games are made by the blind as well not always but oftentimes mm-hmm. they are and uh, so you know we have some good entries in that category but a lot of the games that are audio games are games that you guys wouldn't have heard of because why would you have you know you don't you don't need to play audio games <laughs> you know actually. I actually do occasionally try to get a sighted person to to try an audio game. It sometimes works and mostly it doesn't. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the best audio game I've played is probably an RPG reminiscent of Pokemon called Manimon. It's probably that's probably the best one I can think of at the top of my head. It's so good. <laughs> it's a uh, it's one of our very few. We don't have very many RPGs to choose from, and that's that's one of the best ones. Um, so audio games probably Manimon. Blatant Pokemon knockoff, but if you like Pokemon, you you like Manimon too. As Mm -hmm. long as you're willing to deal with the fact there's no graphics, (laughs) so (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that's a thing. Uh, Best non-audio game that I've played that I can play. It's hard to not say. See, the thing is, this is why it's so difficult to break down. If if I if I if I restrict myself to a game that was made accessible to the blind specifically. Uh, I'm drawn to games like either Madden or Mortal Kombat 11 because Mortal Kombat 11 uh, had has menu narration that was added just for the blind as well as an audio cue system for interactable objects during a fight. Mm-hmm. So one of those two games would probably win just because they were modified to be accessible to me you know, and other blind people. Right. It's, it's, we have so few options... For games that we can we can play without any concern like any any barriers that it is hard not to it's it's hard for a game that's made for us to play to not become our favorite instantly Mm. because you know because like we appreciate it so much because we we appreciate the effort of of the developer that did it to make that game accessible to us like Mm -hmm. there's there's a game there's a game uh, called Sequence Storm. It is a rhythm game. It is a rhythm slash racing game, if you can believe that. It's available on Steam. Mm-hmm. And when it was first developed, the blind were not considered in the slightest. However, this past summer, the developer spent basically three months reworking the whole thing to make that game accessible to us. It has full menu narration, complete menu narration. It has an audio mode. For the rhythm you know it's a rhythm game so it's it's got instead of instead of the uh the scroll the scroll of notes you have to hit it's an audio version Mm -hmm. of that essentially it's an audio cues mode instead of a visual cues mode he just completely designed this whole thing to make this accessible to us because he wanted us to play it and so that is probably one of my favorite pc games at the moment (laughs) yeah you know because he took the time and we recognize that we appreciate it because it's it's still it's still it's becoming more common but it's still such an uncommon thing that Mm -hmm. uh you know, our favorite game is probably going to change a lot. It's like, it's like this. It's like, uh, it's like if you guys had been playing on a regular Nintendo, even though it's 2019, let's just mm-hmm. say, let's just say you've only played regular Nintendo games all this time. And then someone gives you a PS4 mm-hmm. with like loaded with stuff. <laughs> That's that's how it is for us. <laughs> every time something every time something new comes out that we can play, we're ecstatic about it. When we found out that Catherine was playable, I mean, it's Catherine. It's a weird little game that Atlas made, <laughs> but we still we still jump for joy because look, it's a new game we can play. So you know, it's, that, it's that's a, that's why it's such a complicated question. But yeah, you know, I, I did my best there.
0: <laughs> no, uh, and you you gave me a a little hook there that I actually was gonna ask, and you're you know. Talking about um, the game, like just kind of like in general, how the games aren't designed for you. And you you mentioned um, a little while ago, some tools that you used, um, what are some tools or some hardware that people can uh, use to make games more accessible for them? You know, you were talking about a text-to-speech tool, you know, are there, yeah that's are there like special controllers or headsets that work really well to help with, with like blind
1: accessibility, I guess, and uh... no. No, there are not. There are none. There's nothing like that out there. Um, controllers we use the same controllers as anyone else. Uh, headsets, I use a. I just use a good surround. Set. I use those myself. That's just my personal preference. There's other ones out there. It doesn't matter which one you use. There, you know. Just mm-hmm. if you're if you're a, if you're a blind gamer, you're probably going to want surround sound though, because it gives you a better uh, audio spectrum than it would if you're just listening to it in stereo. So um, right. it gives you a better idea of where things are in relation to you. So I recommend if you're a blind gamer, surround sound. Um, The screen reader that I was mentioning with OCR technology is actually free. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, NVDA, you can find it at nvax.org, I believe, is the website for that. Um, So if you you ever wanted to try a screen reader to see what that's like, you can do it for free. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, we like free around here.
0: Our whole niche is uh, trying to find uh, budget stuff. So that's awesome. Um, I mean, has there been like is there anything that like, you just don't recommend? Has there ever been like a text to speech or anything that is supposed to be helpful, but just is
1: absolutely not worth it? Uh, If you are going to, if you're, if you're doing it for games, uh, do not invest in a screen reader called jaws. Jaws is, is, is the most commonly used screen reader. It's very popular with uh, government organizations and stuff because they were, mm-hmm. they were one of the, they were one of the first screen readers out there for windows. So they, they mm-hmm. got, you know, they got government contract. Right. One of the first ones available, um, and it, it's so get this. Jaws is super expensive. It's like twelve hundred dollars for the pro version, but the OCR ver the OCR technology I was talking about, things like Phoenix Wright and things like uh, the text messages in Catherine, mm-hmm. NVIDIA NVIDIA's OCR technology, which again free, works better than Jaws does. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're doing it for gaming, don't invest in JAWS. But I will say that JAWS is a good screen reader. It just does certain things worse than other ones do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I know I've accidentally accessed JAWS on, like, university computers. <laughs> so I, I'm familiar yeah. with it a little bit, only yeah. because I've accidentally accessed it. Yep. Um,
1: Most universities get uh, licenses for the whole university. So that's yeah. typically how that works.
0: Um, let's see brand do you have anything uh because i've been doing a lot of the talking here do you have anything that
1: you have on the call yes, please ask me things
0: i was gonna say i'm just curious about like certain uh,
2: things that most people kind of just ignore so for example like rumble rumble and controllers i i yep. feel like that i'm sure has some sort of like valuable use for like
1: figuring oh, yeah. out your
2: location things along oh, those yeah. lines
1: let me talk but, to you uh, about rumble let me talk to you about Rumble. right ahead um <laughs> uh, madden 20 Is a perfect example. I talked about it earlier, but I only mentioned the narration. Uh, Madden 20 achieves gameplay accessibility almost entirely through force feedback, not through audio. Mm -hmm. Um, What they gave us is well, we have a couple of other things too. Like we have, uh, for instance, we have a there's an option in Madden 20 that is intentionally there for the blind that allows us to allow the CPU to um, assist us in steering our our defensive player towards the ball carrier, try to, you know, stop them. Um, So it helps us with that. But other things are achieved through uh, force feedback. For instance, we can tell when a pass is thrown because of a certain force feedback that we feel at the time of the throw. We can tell when when we can tackle someone or when we're about to be tackled by another uh, vibration. We can tell if if we're on offense, we can tell if the play we're running is a running play or a passing play based on whether the vibration is short or long. Um, And one of the most important ones is the kick meter, for field goals and for punts and things like that, and for the kickoff and all that, that mm-hmm. is that is uh, given to us with force feedback as well, so we can tell when it has reached maximum power and maximum accuracy with a vibration as well. So yes, rumble is still a thing. It's still very much... <laughs> it's still a thing people use for accessibility, and it's it has its place. Um, right. There are certain things that I think shouldn't be uh, identified with rumble. Like, I actually have brought this up to, to EA as well. Um, the... The rumble for the you know the throwing of a pass, I actually don't mm-hmm. like, believe it or not. I like that I like that something is there, but I don't think it should be a rumble, and here's why. Mm-hmm. There is one rumble that tells us the ball is thrown. The rumble does not tell us whether the ball was thrown a long ways away or a short ways away. Which means we don't actually know when to press the button to try to catch it. Mm. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the pass uh, cue should be an audio cue that is different depending on the length of the throw. Um, but it's not. It's a rumble. That's what we have right now. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it is used, though, is, what I'm, is, is the answer to your question. Yes, people... Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because most, for at least me personally, it always is like a... It's, it's like an added feeling of immersiveness, really. And that's really, in my opinion, or at least what I'm imagining right now is like those added immersive details probably really help shine for accessibility uses in particular they
1: can if it's if it's done right, they can I mean, keep in mind, the rumbles that I'm referring to right now were created right. were created just for the blind. It's actually a separate it's actually a separate rumble setting in Madden 20 called assist, mm. um, Okay. because the rumbles in Madden 20, if you leave it on default, are mm. very different. They, they serve different purposes. They are they are there to kind of keep you immersed, but like, for instance, in in Madden 20 by default, you just you if you feel the rumble when you get hit on, the, you know, you don't feel the rumble when you're about to get tackled. You feel it when you hit. So right. it's it's a whole different spectrum. Um, it's it's a different setting entirely for uh, the rumbles that we use to uh, to play that game. Um, but yeah, the, the immersive difference is, is there in in to some degree in some games. If again, if it's done right, uh, it can help. It can also hinder though too. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some games that just rumble too much. Right. Like, and we just don't know why it's doing the thing that it's doing. It's just, it's just doing it, and something's happening, but whatever it is, who knows? Um, so, yeah, it can hinder, and it can help. It's done right, it can be good, but I just think it needs to be paired more with audio. It's Rumble, by itself, I think is not quite enough, in my opinion. Right. Is, is
0: there a system, a console, or whatever, that has... that is leagues better in terms of haptic feedback for you? Um in terms of like the, con- the the quality of the haptic feedback in the controller,
1: no, no, they're they're both about the same right now. Both both major consoles are about the same. Uh, Switch is almost a non-factor because there's so few accessible games for the Switch that it just, just doesn't matter much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're blind, I should say there's there's very few accessibility uh, things for the Switch. Uh, Nintendo doesn't really care much about blind accessibility right now, so <laughs> mm-hmm. we're trying to change that. Mm-hmm. But, um, currently, they don't really care. Yeah, uh, I, but Xbox, uh, PS4, both about the same. So mm-hmm. it goes okay
0: um obviously mouse and keyboard probably i don't think there's any haptic feedback or not very many options for haptic on mouse and keyboard
1: there are haptic mice out there but i Mm. think they're they're very i think they're very seldom supported yeah Mm -hmm. but that that wouldn't matter to us because we don't use mice anyway yeah mice means typically a cursor movement Mm -hmm. type system so
0: um did you ever get your hands on like the steam controller or a third-party uh pc controller at all was there one that you enjoyed uh, at all, if you did?
1: No, I, I never have. Um, it has kind of interested me, but every time I play a game on Steam, I typically a PS4 controller. Uh, you kind of cut it, out there so. a little bit. Can you say that again? Yeah, every time I play a game on Steam, I typically use PS4 uh, controller because I have them, you know. So. I'm not going to have you repeat again, but you typically play Steam with a PS4 controller? Or Xbox controller, depending, Xbox. you know. It it kind of depends on the, the, what the game supports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there, I have a couple of games on Steam that don't support PS4 controllers, so mm. uh, I'll use right. whatever you know. I have both, so I'll, I'll mm-hmm. use that. Or I, I never usually use third-party controllers for anything.
0: Yeah. Um. Now you said, and and I appreciate you saying this that you're you're not you're not an expert in in other types of accessibility, but right. I'm sure you have colleagues in the space, right? I sure uh, do.
1: I sure do. Plenty of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Who have Who have different? Um. You know whether it's the cognitive or you know deafness or um maybe some sort of uh, issue relating to the dexterity. What are some of the mm-hmm. like really common uh, things overlooked that your colleagues speak about?
1: Uh, subtitle size is a big one for. Um, mm-hmm. I am constantly hearing about. This latest game comes out and my low vision colleagues are always just like, great. They did it again. Really, really tiny text. That's just what I need, you know?
2: That font <laughs> size of six.
1: Yep. That, that's, that's a hugely common uh, problem that's still happening today. And we don't know why, because mm-hmm. there's so many examples. There's examples of, of games that do it so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that uh, the Life is Strange series is among the games that do it the best. Mm-hmm. Because they have so many different options for subtitle size. Um, that people love that. So if you're, if you're looking for a good example, that's that's one. Um, motor impairments, uh, controller schemes can be a problem a lot of the time. Uh, inability to remap controls or remap buttons on uh, on any given uh, game or, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, allow for a, uh, depending on the game, obviously, allow for an interface that, you know, needs fewer button presses to play the game, you know, because right. if you're motor impaired, you might not be able to, to do that. You physically might not be able to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. so that that is lacking sometimes um it's there's some games that do well at that too the mlb series uh from from sony is is typically good about that um i think a lot of the recent xbox titles have had full controller remapping um which is great um and uh, they have the they have the co-pilot thing too which on xbox which is really uh, a neat feature especially for those who are motor impaired because then you could have someone else you know playing with you that's doing half the work and you're doing the other half that you can mm-hmm. handle you know so that's uh another great thing um cognitively there are i've, I've heard people say that some games it, it's it's hard to I, I understand that it's hard to understand cognitive impairment but it can take mm-hmm. a lot of different forms and one of the things that i've heard people say is that some games actually throw too much at you at once if you're cognitively impaired you might be able be able to only accept a certain amount of stimulus from any given thing, and some right. games just throw so much at you and expect you to absorb it immediately. Um, that you know, that's 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 what that's where a lot of cognitive impairments people will struggle. You know, they might not be able to remember this, you know, forty five minute cutscene of what you're supposed to do with the next quest. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, you know, it, it might it might be a challenge for them. So, so for them, you need things like. Um, in fact, uh, The Outer Worlds is one example of a game that did this right. I saw someone remark on Twitter about how The Outer Worlds has a complete log of all of your conversations that you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And that is a very helpful feature if you're cognitively impaired, because you need the ability to review things. And The Outer Worlds provides that to you. So there you go. That's Those are some features for other impairments that I can think of off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, Ren. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything uh else that you want to ask or no that pretty much covered everything
2: honestly like
1: i i do want to add real quick that there yeah. is a mobile kit as well there is you know we can uh there, there are games that are accessible to us that are available on mobile as well and a lot of those not all of them but a lot of those utilize either one or two things they utilize the voiceover uh screen reader for ios mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. not not all but most accessible games on mobile are for ios because um you know, there's there's a lot of Apple haters out there that if they did one thing correctly, it's accessibility for the blind. They mm-hmm. they have championed it since the iPhone 3GS, and they have uh, done it right, and they have continually done it right. And they've uh, allowed developers to, um, you know, incorporate voiceover in their games. So a lot of games will support that, and if they don't support that, there's also a plugin for the Unity uh, engine now. It's Came out a couple of years ago, but it's starting to be used more often now. That allows a developer to basically recreate the functionality of a screen reader within their game, because Unity by itself is not very good for screen readers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, using this plugin, developer can recreate that, and then and thus we now have accessible mobile games as well as PC, console, and yeah. You know, so we 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 can we can uh, enjoy that market as well to some degree.
0: Awesome. Uh, I kind of wanted to round out this this conversation um with just some suggestions from you two to three games that um you know whether they be audio only or uh that you've just really thoroughly been enjoying um for the folks out there two or three games that you'd really recommend um that you think do really well
1: yeah okay uh i'll actually throw a couple of them out there Uh, i have one idea okay so here we go uh if you want to try an audio game and you're willing to try an audio game on mobile, then I actually have a free one that you can try. It's called Frequency Missing. It is an audio game that functions like a point-and-click adventure, uh, and you play it by moving your finger around the screen and centering the sound effects you're hearing. Every sound effect you can hear is an object you can interact with. So you center it, then you tap, and you move toward that object and interact with it. So it's it's an an entire adventure that works that way, five-chapter adventure, and it's free. So frequency missing. There you go. There's one. Um, if you're if you're willing to try an audio game that you have to pay for, I have to recommend a game like Manamon again, that RPG I mentioned before, or another uh, RPG called A Hero's Call is another. Uh, um, we lost you there a little bit. Uh, Hero's Call. Hero's Call. Yeah, it's another it's another game we have. An RPG. Um, there is a there's actually a game available on Steam. The first two games I mentioned are not on Steam. This one is. There's a game called A Blind Legend, which is an audio game as well, but it is, it's is—it's one of the very few audio games that is available on Steam. So I wanted to mention that as well. Uh, very soon, there's going to be another RPG coming out called The Veil. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. That's thats also going to be available on Steam as well. You might want to look that up. It has its own Steam page. It's not They don't have a release date yet, but it's, it's supposed to be coming out soon, according to them. So we'll see. Um, and then, of course, games that are just generally accessible to the blind uh that are not necessarily audio games uh you want to go for madden 20 you want to go for mortal Kombat 11 uh gears 5 you want to play very specifically horde mode um they worked to make horde mode accessible but not so much anything else <laughs> so that's uh that's one of my gripes with that game but i, I won't get into that on this show <laughs> um but you know that's that's available um and those are probably some of the best ones to jump into especially if you're looking for a game that was made to be played by the- those are probably the best ones to jump into awesome um man i i think we've covered you've answered
0: so many questions uh you've been very enlightening on this topic uh that's that's the goal that's
1: my whole job <laughs> well, half, my, half my job
0: <laughs> you do that half very very well um Ren, is there anything else on this topic before we move on that you want to get out of there or uh brandon no i can't think of anything
2: to be honest
1: anything that you want to get out on this topic i think i think we're good i think i've covered a lot of things i think there's there's certainly more that i'm going to say but it's in relation to about so yeah Yeah, i think we're good um so yeah we
0: have a little bit of news and stuff to talk about i mean stadia is almost here uh this is uh, actually a week from today google stadia will be released Mm -hmm. um And we've seen a little bit of news, not, uh, not a lot. We've seen just, you know, um, what games are coming to it. Uh, I think Ryan, do you remember if we talked about the, um, negative latency stuff?
2: Yeah. We talked mildly about it. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, there's been some details about negative latency, which is a way that they're combating, um, the, the actual latency that people might experience with, uh, streaming the game um mm-hmm. there's just been a lot of talk on whether or not this will be successful uh brandon you said uh before the show that you were a founders member i am uh, yes so i'm kind of curious about how you're feeling and uh we haven't had anyone that has been like super gung-ho about uh, stadia so uh i'm kind of interested to hear your piece on it and uh, so yeah
1: yeah so the reason i decided to become is because I feel that uh, it's, again, part of my job to cover new things, because I need to establish for the rest of the blind community um, Mm -hmm. whether or not it is a thing that they can use. But the, the perspective I wanted to provide you guys is that I think it is going to be potentially quite good for us specifically, for the blind community specifically. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the platforms that we have to deal with right now, uh, Steam is a good example. Uh, Steam has a lot of issues in terms of uh, us accessing Steam. It's mm-hmm. not—it's not great. There are certain there's there's plenty of things that we can't do on these within the Steam application because they're just not accessible to us. It's not the Valve does care a little bit about accessibility. They have added some things, but they, there's still so much work to do. It's—it's it's not great. However, here we have Stadia, which is probably going to have its own interface when it goes live as well. But it's gonna go beyond that because they're going to add, for instance, uh, buttons to like game trailers for the games that are available on Stadia. You could watch a trailer for something and there'll be like, a oh, you can buy it and play it now. That the existence of that button right there is actually quite important because Google has a decent track record for labeling all their, their buttons properly for making things accessible to us they know what we need in terms of web development on the website to make a thing accessible. Mm-hmm. So Stadia might actually be, this is, this is why I want to provide this perspective, be interesting, might actually be the easiest platform for us to purchase games on and play them. Hmm. So in that way, I am excited for that. Uh, regardless of all the criticism about how it might work, you know, latency, blah, blah, blah. I'm super mm-hmm. excited about the fact that I might just be able to very easily interact with it. Um, and that's that's something. Like, there's something to be said about that. People, people turned away from Steam before Steam added any features to help us out. People would turn away from Steam all the time because they just got too frustrated with it. Mm-hmm. So if Google keeps, you know, keeps their current track record of making things decently accessible for us... And as long as those buttons in YouTube videos are labeled buy now or whatever, buy on Stadia, whatever they're going to call it, as long as that's labeled and and, uh, viewable by a screen reader, we can click that Mm -hmm. button, buy the game and play it immediately. Okay, yeah, I think we're in, (laughs) you know, it's a it's interesting perspective, I I think.
0: Yeah, Um, no, that just kind of because you're mentioning Steam specifically, uh, is that pretty much how it is across the board between Origin and
1: Battle.net and GOG? Um, I can I can tell you that Battle.net is also not very accessible. Uh, I cannot tell you about Origin or Epic Games because I don't have any. I I, I don't have them. I, I've never had any reason to try them just yet. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, Battle.net I can confirm is also not accessible to us. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't even think about like the stores themselves. Uh, and that's 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 why I'm here. Like that, that's yeah, that's why I wanted yeah. to talk about it because I, I I know that my perspective on these things is very different from anyone else's. I'm excited about Stadia for different reasons than anyone else's. So there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, man, enlightening. <laughs> there's
0: a, there's a pun here, but I'm not gonna say it. Uh, <laughs> oh, please do. Oh, please. Thank you. <laughs> it's just been so eye opening. Yeah, no. yeah, it has. <laughs> but no, I, seriously, you're blowing my mind. Some of this stuff, like I feel like the Buddha here,
1: just like getting access to a whole new universe. Um. <laughs> that is that is the reaction that is a reaction I've provoked before and is one I would intend to provoke many many more times in my life. <laughs>
0: um. So, like, what else about Stadia is exciting you? Um.
1: Anything else in like in particular? Yeah. So I'm I'm one of those people that is very interested in technology. Um. Mm-hmm. I I respect, believe it or not, I actually watch uh, digital foundry videos, not because I can appreciate. They, they talk about graphics a lot, and I can't really appreciate that. But I can appreciate, you know. The technology that goes into it, you know, I I, mm-hmm. even if even, even if it's not something that I can necessarily take advantage of, I appreciate it for its existence, essentially. And I think I think a lot of the technology here is at, at the very least, it's got to be intriguing to some people. I think the things that that Google is doing to combat latency mm-hmm. are clever. And I think it, it goes it goes, you know, that negative latency thing. I don't know if you saw there's a video that IGN did um, with their IGN first segment about Stadia. Where they got a uh engineer at stadia to talk about the the whole the whole latency issue yeah and they actually broke it down uh pretty well like broke it down like really deeply like a lot of people when the negative latency thing was was uh was first announced a lot of people were like okay that's super stupid because it's gonna press buttons for you it's like it's gonna predict what you're gonna press because just do it for you and then if you press the wrong thing it's gonna roll it back that actually isn't exactly what it's gonna do if you watch that video um it's, it, it breaks it down in a way that uh, so this is not gonna basically it's like if uh so so you're running you're running these games on their giant monster beast servers of doom that are just enormously powerful mm-hmm. so a machine like that is gonna be capable of doing much more than running the game that you're playing on and because it's capable of doing like it, it, it could run that game like three million so because it's capable of doing that, it will do more because the because Google worked with the developers of each game specifically. They, it wasn't just like on live was just, okay, we have permission to stream the game. You know, we're streaming the video to you and that's all they did. This, mm-hmm. they actually worked with the developers. They, they had the developers add Stadia to their engines, make versions of the games that are specifically made for Stadia. So the game will run itself and it will do on top of running itself calculations to try and predict what you're going to do, and have uh, basically be ready for you to do any of those things. It's not pressing the buttons for you. It's just holding in its system multiple calculations for the things you might do because it has the power to hold that information along with run the game, and it's it's just ready for you to do those things more than a you know a typical system would be. Um, on top of that, they talked about their their engine that is going to learn from uh, things that happen. It's gonna watch for latency to occur and learn from that uh based on the section of the game, based on the, the level of the game, based on that very moment of each game, it can pick out a scene um and uh you know change the network uh, settings based on what it needs to do. So like if it, it if uh, it, developers can can help this along too. They can add code to uh to help this along too but it will it'll will try to learn automatically developers can help it along. So they can have it so on cutscenes in their game. It doesn't focus so much on performance. It focuses on resolution and graphical quality because that's what you want. You're not interacting with the game at that point, so you don't really need to worry about latency in a cutscene. So it's going to focus more on the resolution and keep your keep your uh, quality up. Mm-hmm. But when it comes back to gameplay, it'll immediately seamlessly switch its its own settings to account for uh, the gameplay side, so you get as little latency as possible. I just I, I, I know this is a lot, but I just think that technologically, what they're doing is interesting and i think it's clever and i think it might work
0: yeah i i've been pretty pretty lukewarm on stadia i like i love the idea i love the the technological ideas behind it uh as someone who you know does media and stuff like that i immediately saw some other um uses for it uh myself and i'm like oh that would be really awesome for video editing and stuff like that were there like some other uses for stadia that like if they were to like expand out outside of gaming with this technology that you would be like super stoked on
1: oh yeah um i, I I'm, I'm thinking of things like owning jaws you know it, the I, I told you about jaws the very extreme screen reader well, what if you never had to own jaws what if you could run jaws from the cloud Mm-hmm. Not not pay twelve hundred dollars and have a screen reader that functioned as well as Jaws does, in most things, uh, and you know it's at your fingertips in the cloud. That'd be great. Yeah.
0: Um. What are you? What are your initial feelings on the success or failure of Stadia? Do, I mean, are you feeling like the Stadia is going to be a success ultimately,
1: or? I think it is. Um, I think it's it's going to get a lot of hate. Because mm-hmm. it, I mean, it already is, it already is getting a ton of hate, but it's going to get more um, because that that is the nature of the beast that is humanity. Um, mm-hmm. People are going to people are going to find one second of latency, and that's going to be a viral video. I guarantee it. Um, even if even if it runs fairly well, people will just pick one thing out and you know turn it into a thing. It's going to get a lot of hate, but I think it is going to be successful because I think, and I really believe this. I think if anyone is going to do this, I think Google's the right people. To they have, they have the, uh, they have the, the server infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They have the technology. They have the teams. They have the money. Let's let's face it. You know they have the money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a situation like again. I bring up OnLive because OnLive was it was a cloud gaming service that I actually subscribed to because again, I like tech. So when mm-hmm. OnLive came out, I was super into it. I I know it had latency. It had quite a bit of latency, but it was still cloud gaming and i was like that's neat like Mm -hmm. that's a cool idea back in 2007 or whatever that was yeah you know but that system ultimately failed um and but but i don't think i just don't think this will i think there's too much behind it for it to fail completely it might it might not get super great subscriber numbers but i don't think it'll fail i mean look whether you like it or not the founder's edition sold out Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) that's still a thing that's 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 still saying something
0: yeah so um actually I did have a question because the founders edition comes with the stadia controller yes have you had any experience with the stadia controller and if you have what did you think about it because I don't know if I've seen anyone actually get their hands on it yet no I don't have it yet
1: it's not it's supposed it's not supposed to arrive until launch day so Mm -hmm. I have until 19th to wait for that but I have no experience so far I'll be happy to tell you once I once I try. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let us know
0: and we'll we'll link it out to people because I'm I'm super curious as uh, how, like because it looks very similar to like the Xbox controller, you know, in terms of kind of the profile and shape. But I'm curious about, you know, the haptics and some
1: of the other. Yeah, I wonder if it does have hand. haptics. I actually I don't even know. I don't even know if it's going to have haptics or not. And that could uh, that could be a swaying factor. You mm-hmm. know, who knows? We'll see, though. Um, I do intend to cover Stadia's launch. I mean, that's, you know, that's why I got that's why I'm a founder, because I wanted to cover the launch. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to cover it. There are probably going to be videos on my YouTube channel because I can literally because it's Stadia, I can literally press a button and broadcast to YouTube. So, you know, that's a thing. I actually like that feature, believe it or not. Um, But anyway, there'll be probably YouTube videos and there will be podcast discussion as well next week on that. So. Excellent. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and we'll make sure that we link out to all your stuff uh, in the description of the episode uh, so people can subscribe and see all that stuff right away. Yeah. Um, Anything else on Google Stadia? I'm kind of looking at the time here. I know we want to talk about one more thing before we end.
1: No, I think I I I gave you the perspective that I wanted to Yeah. I think you found it interesting, so there you go. That's what I wanted. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, we have it in... I I don't think that many people we've had on. I it's been either lukewarm or very skeptical of stadia. I don't think we've had anyone Mm -hmm. on that have really felt more than just lukewarm on, on stadia.
1: Yeah. I I mean, sure. I I should be clear. I certainly have. I'm I'm not like, Oh my God, you know, it's so great. But I, I I think I'm, I think I'm more positive than negative.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Even if, even if it boils down to the reasoning being, because it's probably going to be easy for me to access. And that's, Mm -hmm that's important to me. So yeah.
0: mm-hmm. Uh cool. Anything else on this guys? I
1: think I
0: think or we're no. good. Cool. Um Ren, you've been playing a game. Um it's one of those 80-hour adventure games. You play games? games? Sorry. <laughs> oh, I know right. It's crazy. Yeah, um, so
2: I've been playing uh I've been playing Outer Worlds recently. Not super recently. It's been a little bit, but uh I grabbed it on release unfortunately thank the gods for this but uh because uh xbox game pass is like a dollar for the first month Mm -hmm. it made this an immediate pickup regardless if i wanted to play it or not i was just like yeah obviously i'm just gonna play this and i am very happy i did Uh, to be completely honest i'm very happy i did uh it's from obsidian the same makers as new vegas and most people a good 99 of people will compare it to like directly to new vegas which is pretty fair um, it feels like a much, much more expanded version of that, uh, of that same sort of style, and the style of uh, your choices actually do matter versus uh, recent Bethesda games. Pull <laughs> out for seventy six. Um, but, uh, but in comparison to those, the uh, the choices actually do matter. You can go through an entire playthrough and kill everybody if you want to and you can still beat the game, which is not something that you could do in, like, classic Bethesda games. If you try to kill the, like, first main character, he just goes down and then stands up, like, five seconds later and asks, how are you? And then that's essentially it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I found that it was just a lot more diverse. It, it seemed like they expanded in the right direction. Like, if uh, if if New Vegas instead of like becoming into fallout 4 it just feels like a completely different turn like almost if you lived in a parallel universe and they were just like yeah let's not do this and let's do it this way instead that's how it feels um i don't know there's a lot more dynamic um abilities that come with just base leveling so for example in like old school titles um such as new vegas you would uh you would pick up like small gun skill or something like that Mm -hmm. and it would just increase your gun damage and that's it but each each and every skill has its own ability like subtree in its own Mm -hmm. like case so if you get like your uh you get your persuasion up to a certain amount you can persuade enemies to fight for you passively like they'll they'll fear you and run away or they'll like and embrace just how strong you are as a person and just be like, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm just, I'm done. Um, but it's things like that. And it's really cool to, like, see that because um, that that just seemed like the proper way to take these, uh, to take the Fallout name, at least in my eyes. So I'm definitely comparing it really hard to Fallout, but it's mm-hmm. definitely fair.
1: Um, I mean, it was it was co-created t- by Tim Kane, the creator of... I think you're okay. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: exactly. Um, I will say... So while you're playing through the game, you're essentially you become a captain of a ship and uh, you start gathering uh crew members. That That's one of the big things that occurs during the game. And I found that some of the crew members like just kind of came on too easily. Mm-hmm. Like some of them you have to like do a quest line for and they just naturally it feels natural that they want to join you in your cause. Versus literally the second planet you go to, you talk to a guy, you say hi, and he's like, I want to be a mechanic on your ship. And you're just like, hold on. I just met you. You're not touching my giant like spaceship (laughs) that like multi-million dollars. It's not going to happen. I I found that to be really weird, but most of the characters made like, it it felt natural in terms of dialogue. It didn't Mm. feel really off with just that exception because you literally learn five seconds before he like wants to be on your ship. That, like, he has a problem with authority. You're a ship captain. I don't know why you'd want him on your ship if he has a problem with authority. And, like, he had such a problem with authority that he tried to beat somebody. Like, beat an officer of the law with, like, a bat, essentially. And it was just like, why in the world would I ever bring this guy? But your character's just like, I mean, maybe. I'll consider it. I'll think about it. And it's like, all right. Okay, okay, buddy. Um, uh, some of the characters, with the exception of that one, specifically that one was the only one I had a real issue with, um, have a lot of depth to them that I wasn't expecting them to. I talked to like a vendor and he was wearing, he was wearing like a helmet of the company that he's trying to represent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and essentially, this isn't too spoilery, because this still happens relatively early into the game, but you start to learn that he was kind of forced into this life, and he does not want to become a part of it, but mm-hmm. he, he's almost, like, slave-trained to just live this life as a vendor, and that's all his purpose is. And you'll even, like, go in through his, like, uh, specific notes and stuff, and you'll be like, oh my god, how, how do I save you? He was trained to be an NPC, so much- essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even to the degree where I thought it would be funny if I talked to him using the same helmet as him, and his response was like, oh no, they got you too? Oh god, we're all screwed! And I was like, whoa! Hold on! (laughs) Calm down! (laughs) It's gonna be fine. Um, But it was moments like that where it felt very... very interesting. It felt like it had its own personality. In terms of graphics, it's not... Exactly the most, like, graphically appealing game. It doesn't look like it's some crazy next-gen game by any stretch of the imagination. But the graphics hold their own for the environment that it's in. When mm. when I think of, like, the old-school Fallout games, I don't think, like, man, those games sure look fantastic. But they they represented what it was meant to be. It was meant to be a wasteland, and you definitely got that feeling. This was very much, like, everything's corporate. It, it felt like the most, like anti-corporate game I've ever seen in my life because 99% of the quests that I've done are like hey corporate's being an asshole should I like side with corporate or should I side with people wanting to be free and I was like "Ah, you know I don't know we'll see um but this uh, game was but made yeah. by a
1: developer that was just purchased by a major
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um but I don't know i found the I found the experiences to be really individualized and unique. so I, for example, was playing like a melee charismatic character that is not gonna take someone's shit essentially that that was pretty much the gist um, but he's also extraordinarily dumb too that that was like the main thing so uh if you uh, like tone up or tone down your base perks you can get access or get locked of access to certain things so if you have a lack of an endurance skill for example you don't regen health at all you you get zero health regen you have to rely exclusively on medical supplies um my character had no intelligence so we just had dumb dialogue options and somebody was all like oh you're just gonna kill me so get it over with and the dumb dialogue option was like all right if you want me to okay murder him (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly and i was like uh i i have to choose this one like I, I, I <laughs> yeah exactly um but the starting area is like you need a power supply for your ship and my response was like i i showed up to go take their power supply and they're all like if you take it i'll murder you and i was like i'm gonna murder everybody here if you talk to me again <laughs> let's just be honest here i'm gonna kill everybody and he's like all right just take it please go that's it and i was like cool easy easy quest hell yeah <laughs> um but yeah somebody else's experience can be totally different where they like sneak in and steal it and then just like flee the scene mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know it felt very unique individualized and exactly what i wanted out of uh out of a game like this and for a dollar I don't know why you wouldn't pick it up. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I have no idea. Ooh, I do, um... because I can't play it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I got you there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can think of one idea.
2: A single <laughs> idea, but that's all.
0: There you go. All right. Um, for those who can play the game... <laughs> um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh is this worth picking up full price or is this like a, a wait for sale or maybe renting? I don't know game? why you'd pick it up full price,
2: to be honest. Like it comes with uh the game pass, and if you get yeah. the game pass, it's like you're you're gonna take maybe a if, you get, if
1: you get game pass Ultimate, you have PC and Xbox.
2: Exactly, and that's what I have. I have PC Ultimate, so I just played it on my PC, and if I wanted to, I could play it on my Xbox too if I really wanted yeah, to. Yeah, sure. Um but but yeah, I, I don't think it's worth picking up at full price just because it doesn't make sense. Like yeah. if if you're a big fan and mm-hmm. you're just like I want a retail copy, then sure go for it. But I don't see the purpose personally. If, if
0: someone wants to be a complete and utter shill, <laughs> I honestly basically (laughs) (laughs) oh man um yeah i saw this game get a lot of praise uh from a Mm -hmm. lot of people especially because there's a lot of people who uh really wanted bethesda to get stuck which fair enough right completely with how bethesda's been this last year year and a half uh completely fair (laughs) um Mm -hmm. Is there, has there been anything that's been absolutely like game breaking in this? Has there been anything that you just kind of look at this and it's just like, why, you know, what's like the level of polish on it? Um, when
2: I think of polish, I think of detail, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of detail that's going on. It might not look like the most graphically appealing like games, so there's not a whole metric ton of environmental storytelling, but there's mm-hmm. enough there that you can really like understand. That, like, something happened, and all you have to do is, like, go through, uh, like, maybe a few, uh, like, audio logs or text logs and be like, oh, okay, that happened. Like, I started the game expecting, like, go get a power supply, and then I just, like, I, I was reading, like, a text log that I found in the middle of nowhere, and I was like, wait a second, hold on, what's this about? And I, like, stumbled across that person, like, stumbled across a person related in the note. Mm -hmm. and I couldn't talk to them directly about it, but I was like, "All right, what if I go into their house and look at their logs, right? I'll I'll just start, like, figuring all this out, like go in detective mode out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's really cool that you could do that. Um, The lore lore is there for you to unravel. That's really neat, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It it didn't feel like I just kind of went into an area just to leave. Like, it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like a stop, really. I'm just like, yeah, you gotta go grab the thing and then you gotta get out of here and then go to the next place. I don't know. That, that I feel, has been, like, one of the big problems with maybe not Fallout 4, because I feel like Fallout 4 does a fairly good job of environmental storytelling. Yeah. But when it comes to actual, like, character storytelling, I feel like it's very, like, heavy-handed where they kind of just spill it at you, and you're forced to accept it. hmm Versus just like, oh, I can ignore, if I wanted to, I could totally ignore this person and go about my life. That yeah. that's totally an option. I didn't have to go do any quest for anybody. If I wanted to, it'd just be like, I'm gonna kill everybody, I'm gonna take the power core, I'm gonna leave. That's my choice. Mm-hmm. I, I can do that. But uh but yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like that has to like speak some level of volume toward its polish.
0: Yeah. Did you have any did you see any bugs or anything that like why Why is this guy's health not going down? Why am I stuck on this no. path? It, you know, this guy just went through a no. wall. Nothing like that. <laughs> not, nothing along those lines, no. Not like a certain other game that I'm definitely thinking of
2: right now that I probably <laughs> talked about on release and made those exact accusations, 76. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, nothing like that. Nothing at all. I, I feel like maybe I ran into... I, I'll say there's certain moments where the information that you need to pay attention to isn't exactly like i i didn't know how to hack for like a certain point of time i thought that one of the requirements was uh like a certain material or something like that Mm -hmm. because there are materials that you use for hacking or uh, lock picking and uh, there was another counter above it and i had no idea what that was and it doesn't tell you anywhere in the game and it has the specific little indicator and icon, but that icon's never mentioned. And it turned out that was the hacking skill and the lockpicking skill. I thought mm. that was just kind of like not relevant to it. I thought that was just kind of like a matter of like what materials you got out of a box, for example. Um, but uh, yeah, with, with the exception of that, where like certain areas don't really tell you everything that you need to know, yeah. it was pretty
0: solid. I, I had no issues really. Gotcha um i think you answered all my questions on out, on the outer worlds brandon do you have any thoughts or opinions or questions on outer worlds at all
1: uh honestly no i mean i I've, I've i've listened to honestly my, my whole exposure to the outer world listen to a little tiny bit of playthrough it's a good mm-hmm. idea what it sounded like and mm-hmm. then that I, I don't really know much about it i know i know some of the things you mentioned because of that point playthrough like the the uh stealing the power core the you know getting your ship that that kind of thing. I, I know about that stuff right. but that's essentially as far as i've actually watched in a playthrough so mm-hmm. i'm not up on my outer world's knowledge but I, I do definitely respect the outer world's uh willingness to allow you so much freedom mm-hmm. um, yeah while at the same time keeping you in that rpg mode you know right exactly even even at the,
2: um like in the middle of the game it tells you that it's definitely a bad idea to go to this crazy planet filled with monsters but you can still go there yeah you, you can really totally still to, go yeah. there i went there and i was like i'll be fine and then i got absolutely decimated by like a bunch
1: of no, monsters no, of no, doom no, and wish, i'm like i just wish right. that i just wish that after you got decimated it was like we told you <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man but uh but yeah it didn't feel like i was level locked to anything mm-hmm. i it didn't feel linear like i it felt like the linearity i chose to make yeah. not not so much just like oh i need to go here to go here to go here yeah it was just like if i want to i could totally just skip like the relay station just go to death mountain yeah and just fail miserably
0: there is no <laughs> all the time there was Did you hit, like, any, like, walls? Like, I'm thinking very specifically of, like, Fallout New Vegas, where when you leave um, the first town you're in trying to get to Vegas, uh, there's the quarry that's in between them, and the quarry is infested with death claws, and you can't get through because the death claws are there. So it makes you Mm -hmm. route around to Novak. There was nothing like that either that you saw? Yeah. So, so
2: the way that the areas work is um, there is some open-worldness to planets, because mm-hmm. you actually just go from planet to planet. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily like New Vegas, where it's just a giant one single map, mm-hmm. and you can go around all through that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing necessarily like that, but there are moments where you're like, yeah, I definitely shouldn't do this. Gosh. Like, I... I shouldn't do this like a Mm. moment right there. that I was talking about where like, I can go choose to go to the death planet. I have a quest to go there, but Mm. I am so not ready. And it shows when I go there and just get mauled to death by some (laughs) giant monster of doom. Um, And like all my teammates are like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I, this feels dumb. And it's like, I'm dumb. Get over it. I'm going in. (laughs) Um, It's like, have you had
1: a conversation with my character?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. oh man um oh well, yeah if there's nothing else on on outer worlds uh we can kind of wind the show down here um mm-hmm. brandon for the people who have joined us about halfway through why don't you tell them um
1: what you do and where they can find all of it yep absolutely my, my name is brandon cole i am a creature of many hats a blogger a podcaster and advocate for accessibility and consultant in the game industry for accessibility of the of video games for the blind. Um, and you can find me at SuperBlindMan at almost everything. Twitch is SuperBlindMan, YouTube and Twitter also SuperBlindMan. My website is brandoncole.net. My blog is there and my consultancy page is there. If you want to say about me, uh, my media page is also there. So you can see things on the internets. Uh, all, you can see a bunch of articles about me and a bunch of speeches that I made and things like that. All, all those, all those things are there. Um, and, uh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah, also the Breakdown Walls movement I'm a part of, uh, co-run by my fiance. Um, we call it the Breakdown Walls movement because our, our aim is to break down the barriers between the disabled and non-disabled gamers, streamers, basically just people all over the world and just, you know, come together, have a good time and, uh, you know, chill and just realize that we're all people and we're all gamers and we're all here for the same things. So if you want to join us there, our, our Discord is breakdownwalls.net slash discord. And if you'd like to listen to my podcast, which covers gaming news from two different perspectives, we cover the standard perspective, uh, you know, your typical gaming news perspective, and then we cover the disability side of the, the, the gaming news perspective, uh, as well as interviews and uh, just general rants about games, you can do that too at breakdownwalls.net slash podcast. And there's a new episode every week. There you go.
0: Awesome. And uh, links for that will be in the description of the podcast and the VOD. Um once again, thank you to my mod, uh, Mr. Green Elite for uh providing links uh in the live chat there. Um Ren, what's coming up on your channel? Yeah.
2: So for me, I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2 recently. I'm probably gonna actually do a little bit of that in maybe like 45 minutes, do like a short stream, but we'll see. Um I'm also playing off-stream as like a personal project. I'm currently playing Death Stranding, and uh, I don't want to get super into details about it right now, but I'm planning on doing like an analysis piece on it. And I'll have that up in maybe, like, a couple weeks. We'll see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much what's going on for me. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash renditions with two Zs because I'm dumb and I can't spell my own name. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, that's basically it for me, pretty much.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, with uh, Death Training, you're going to get, like, super Freudian with it? Are you going to, like <laughs> – are you, are you pulling out your <laughs> philosophy books ready to really dig deep into <laughs> – what uh, Kojima is trying to say about uh, ladders and babies. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Oh man. Um, coming up on my channel, well, first off, we are in the midst of my um, fundraiser for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I kind of adjusted the goals and we made our first goal, which is a cooking stream. So I got to figure out uh, what kind of uh, meal I want to make on stream. Um our next goal is $50 for a full workout stream in which anyone who has StreamLoots cards and really wants to make me suffer can make me work out way more than I intend to. It's going to be guided. Uh, we're going to get all dressed up and get the cheesy music and everything. Uh, so you guys can join me in working out and try to work off, uh, some of your weight before or after the holidays, kind of depending on where that falls because Lord knows I'm trying to lose some of this too. Um, <laughs> Uh, So yeah, I'm still in the middle of that playing Far Cry 3 right now. We're going to move on to 4. We're getting pretty close to the end of 3. Um, So Far Cry 4 is next. And then kind of depending on how long it takes us to beat Far Cry 4, uh, we'll go on to Far Cry 5, or maybe we'll touch Blood Dragon a little bit or something. So that's what's coming up on my channel. Um, Let's see. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed the show. We appreciate all of you who come and watch us live. We appreciate all of you who... Uh, if you guys can't make it live, go and, uh, watch our VODs and, um, and listen to the podcast on the go. Uh, if you guys uh, missed any part of the show, you can find us on, uh, YouTube. You can watch the VOD on Twitch. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, basically any podcast platform. And if we're not on one that you want us to be on, let us know. We'll get there, uh, for you. Uh, we want to be where all of you guys are. Um, If you guys like what we do, you can help support the show by dropping a follow to me, Ren, or our guest. Uh, Make sure you guys do support our guests. Uh, We really appreciate when uh, they get some love from you guys. Um, Other ways you can help support us is just leave a rating and review on the platform of your choice. We really appreciate that as well. Um, Just a reminder for anyone who hasn't seen uh, the Twitter account, I converted to a personal Twitter account. So the at NTN is now at Danny K. Um... Uh, let's see. I think that's all the housekeeping I have to get out of the way. Another huge thank you to Brandon Cole for You're coming welcome. on the show. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and enlightening us on uh, this on the topic of accessibility. Sure. Uh, another thank you to Marcus Axford for connecting us to you, Mr. Cole. Yeah, and if you ever
1: want me back, hey, I'll, I'll come back. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can uh, get you back, especially um, if there's anything...
1: Uh, big relating to accessibility that uh we hope you there can there may be a thing that may happen at some point that i can't talk about right now that you may want me back